you are listening to High Spots and Cheap Pops with Vlad the Impaler and Silicon Steve Valley. And now, here is Silicon Steve Valley and Vlad the Impaler. Well, as tonight we talked about earlier, it was Legends Night, and what we thought we would do right now, we would be a fun idea of the list that was there, and, and Vlad the Impaler, the legend himself, not only a, a one of the most brilliant writers you'll ever see, all-around brilliant man when it comes to the world of professional wrestling, you have the list, you have the list, and we're going to go on and we're going to talk if they are legends or not legends. And by the way, if we say not legends, it doesn't mean that they're not great. But are they? Should they be considered legends? Whether it be because of how good they are, or because maybe they're too young, or what have you? Go ahead, Vlad the Impaler. Hit me with your first name. Hulk Hogan. Absolutely a legend. Agreed, legend. Yeah, and you uh, can get Flair out of the way too. Flair's a legend. Okay. Flair, legend. Okay, so we have two legends so far. Teddy Long. Uh, No, 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 player. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, though. I don't see. They throw the word legend around a little too easily. I don't. That's I, my, he doesn't make. He doesn't make the legend book in my book. I'm sorry. That's my. That's my problem. I, yeah, I wouldn't buy a ticket to see Teddy Long, even though I'm entertained by him. Not a legend. Uh, sorry, Teddy. Alicia Fox. No. Nope. Not a legend. No, she impact. You had to have a much more of an impact than she had, and she's like. Okay. She's good, and she still looks like she's in her prime. Yeah, and, and you know what? Like, listen, I give her credit because I know she was dealing with some alcohol issues, and she's probably straightened herself out to the point where um, they can like bring her back comfortably. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things that I heard or read, I should say, was that uh, one of the things that they let Arne Anderson go for was that during a house show, she was like really inebriated, and he was. He was okay as far as like her continuing performing that night, and I guess they came down hard on on Arn for that. Again, that's something I just read. Uh, don't take it for gospel from me, but hopefully she's. No, no, sorry, Alicia. No, 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 no offense to her, and and I love her. I actually, and she looks great. She's a good actress. Um, but I think she's one of the women that were put out to pasture probably before maybe she wanted to. And, yeah. And that's a good segue to the next one. If you want to bring up Mickey James, she is going to wrestle again. She doesn't, she, she was, she tweeted that she was surprised she was considered a legend. And then she was, there was the list of legends on Twitter and she was like, well down on the list too. So she, she tweeted just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so she, she would even say she's barely a legend, huh? Uh, I would say not a legend. I mean, every time you mention Mickey James, they immediately link her to Trish Stratus for the whole like uh, creepy fan thing and single white female take, if you will. Um, is she a legend? No. Is she a great worker? Yeah, by all means, uh, talented. But you know what? Like, she could probably still go and probably even help the women's federation. I mean, truthfully, like Silicon Snee Valley, if you put Mickey James currently in the AW roster. Decent run, six months or so. What do you think? I think she can go on longer than that. I because she could still go. She, yeah, but she, I'm saying like, 
Yeah. I think she goes to AEW. If she goes to AEW, I think she would be a major player in that division. I don't know if she'd actually be the champ ever, but she would be used to get people yeah. over and she would be able to tell stories. Just like Dustin Rhodes is doing right mm -hmm. now. When he's loving it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good example, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, she, mean, she was a player. She, be, she still uh, wants to play. Yeah, I think she would be good for it. So let's go to the next one. Uh, Tatanka. Fuck it, sure. <laughs> okay, I, I say not a legend. <laughs> He's so long ago, so it's like you almost give him a pass because it was so long ago he was wrestling. But no, I mean, yeah. he, he, I mean, I guess, so I guess legend is that, are you not, a, are you on a Hall of Famer? What's, what's higher? I guess legend is okay, but Hall of Famer is when you're like a real legend. I, I don't know. I don't know. Shouldn't Hall of Fame be lower than know. legend? You know? No, Hall of Fame should be above legend. I don't know. I think, Hall of Fame, I think if you're a Hall, I think you're. I think if you're a Hall of Famer, you're you're in the upper echelon. I think if you're a legend, you can sort of use artistic license with that. Yeah, no, I'm saying, but if we play it in baseball terms, Babe Ruth is a legend, Eddie yeah. Murray is not. But they're both Hall of Famers. <sighs> yeah, it's good. That's a good point. Eh, uh, maybe not though. Yeah, you know what? Either way, I'm with you. I don't think he's a legend. I don't. I, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Absolutely. Yeah. Headline to WrestleMania, Legend. had a great run in AWA, great run in WWE for a little bit in the early 80s as well. Um, he was big business back in the day, man. He sort of like, he, he and Hogan, hand in hand, helped make <laughs> a lot of money for Vince. My God. And, uh, you know, that whole G.I. Joe stint, uh, stint that he had, that was big. I mean, at that age, I was actually watching it, I think, at that point. And that was like a great crossover for me because I loved wrestling and I loved G.I. Joe, so... Uh, it was a big win for Vlad the Impaler back then before he discovered girls. Um, <laughs> let's see. Beyond that, uh, Ric Flair, we already discussed. Okay, big show. Absolutely. He Legend. made the crossover. I agree. And I think he yeah, and we can alive. I think we can go with Mark Henry the same thing. I think both of them are in the same group. They yeah. made that crossover. They had successful enough careers where they are legends, and they, they've had a big enough impact on this. So both of them can be off the list, in my opinion, yeah. as legends. Okay. Um, next, Jimmy Hart. Oh, come on. Of course. Legend? Oh, my God. You're not kidding me, are you? How could Jimmy Hart not be a legend? Well, let me ask this question. He's a top five fucking manager. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Where would you put him in, like, the top ten? You're already putting him in the top five? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't think you know the impact Jimmy Hart had on wrestling, particularly in the South. He, he was monster in the South before coming to WWF. Jerry Lawler? You're, just You're biased. He was right in the middle of, the, of the Andy Kaufman shit. He was right in the middle You're of it. You're biased because of the Hart Foundation. I am very biased because of the Hart Foundation, but I'm also biased because of Money Inc. If you remember, they were he had them. He had the Nasty Boys. The guy had he had the Rougeos. The guy had tag team champions. Probably had there probably has not been other than maybe Sonny when she had 15 tag team champions within a month. You'd be hard pressed to find a WWE manager with with more tag team title runs as a manager. That's a good point. 
who was a better manager, Jim Cornette or Jimmy Hart? Jim Cornette. Okay, I agree with that. All right. Yeah, Cor Cornette's another. If he wasn't such a bitter peckerwood on the <laughs> internet, I think he, a lot of a lot of people yeah. would like him a lot more. Yeah, because yeah, he says yeah. some. Because the guy you I you're talking to a guy who watches a lot of mid '80s WCW NWA. You put a microphone in front of him. He was the best manager in WCW at that time, and there wasn't anybody close. And they had some good ones. Yep. But the guy just you yeah. put him on, and he just was nonstop. I'm telling you right now, you got the and he and he would he did the same thing Dusty Rhodes would do. He would put everybody over that they were fighting with in that moment. So yep. Jim Jim Cornette definitely better than Jimmy Hart. Jim Cornette is up there with Heyman and Heenan. In my that's opinion, a, that's Jim Cornette's a, yeah, not far. Yeah, that's a strong comment, and it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I've always been sort of fascinated a bit with Jim Cornette because I did watch back in the day with the uh, Midnight Express and uh, uh, them going against the Road Warriors, and just him, him being like the um, rich prick with the tennis racket uh, just was a great, great character. So yeah, yeah I was a not fan. To mention, uh, yeah, oh, but, yeah, it's awesome. But you go back to Jimmy Hart. How many WrestleMania moments was ended with Jimmy Hart getting a comeuppance? And the yeah. and, and twenty thousand, thirty thousand at WrestleMania three, ninety three thousand people cheering on the fact he was having a snake draped all over him. You know, if you yeah. remember that, Jimmy Hart was money, and Jimmy Hart very, very underrated. Um, not to mention what he did in WWE, but he had a good run in WCW with the Dungeon of Doom and Kevin Sullivan was the manager of the Giant. I mean, you, you talk about the champions that this, and not to mention he managed Hogan in his early days in WCW. So he would yeah. he, he had a plethora of world champions underneath him, and um, and he also worked in a day. With, not to mention he was right in the middle of the of the feud with Adrian Adonis and Roddy Piper, which was a major feud. WrestleMania three. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that Jimmy Hart is very underrated in my eyes, and I think you are, are proof of that, my friend. Yeah, you know, I'll say legend. Definite legend. I'll, I'll say legend. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe I underestimated him a bit, but uh, yeah, it's just like I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, wait, does he rank in the top 10, top 5, top 15? Like, who would I put above him is what I was sort of thinking. But so, who would you, if anybody, yeah, give yourself, a, give yourself a couple minutes. Who, if anybody, do you put above Jimmy Hart other than I think we can agree Heenan, Heyman, and Cornette? Okay. Yeah. So, Heenan, Heyman, Cornette. For sure. Um, let's think here. Beyond them. Man. I'm trying to just be... Hillbilly Jen is not on the table. Then. Yeah, he, yeah, he cannot go that route by any means. <laughs> um, you Captain know, Lou? Like a, yeah, Captain Lou actually is somebody I would definitely consider. Um but would I say Jimmy Hart was better than him? I might actually say that because, yeah, you know what? I would say Jimmy Hart over Captain Lou. So, yeah, you know what? He's he's definitely in the top ten. Might be in the top five for me. Um, let me think here. Classy Freddie Blassie, a little bit of a little bit ahead of my time. But, again, I would he, say I Jimmy I don't know Hart. how far ahead of his time. I mean, he was good, but you saw what he was. Yeah. He was the same guy when he was with the Iron Sheik and Volkoff. He yeah. was good too, but I, I don't think he, as a manager, he had as much impact on Jimmy Hart as Jimmy Hart did. He certainly yeah, didn't right. have the longevity, even though yeah. he was around forever, but he was a major wrestler. See, that's the thing about uh, Freddie Blassie. 
Jimmy Hart started managing when he was in his 20s, early 30s. So Freddie Blassie didn't start managing until he was long retired. He was a great wrestler. So I think you talk about the time put in and all the things that Jimmy Hart was a part of. I think Jimmy Hart had a more successful manager career than Freddie Blassie. So I would put definitely put Jimmy Hart over that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I would definitely be there with you. And I'm just trying to think anybody else maybe from like WCW back in the day or even WWE beyond that. And you don't honestly, put JJ. Really JJ's not up. in front of him. You can't put no. JJ Dillon in front of him. No, I wouldn't. Um, geez. Paul Jones, if you remember him, he was okay back in the day in WCW, but I, you can't put him against Jimmy yeah. Hart. Uh, I definitely would not put Slick in front of Jimmy Hart. Uh, <laughs> well, nor I would, would I put Kim, Kim Chi. Kim Chi was more of a valet, even though yeah, he was yeah. not a chick. But no, Slick yeah. did not. I don't remember Slick ever having a champion. I don't think Slick. Hmm. Hmm. WWE. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. You're stating the Black obvious. Blackman can't get a championship. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. No, I, I, I would definitely say Jimmy Hart's a legend. Um. All right, let me look here. Molly Holly. Yes. From everything I know about her, if you knew more about her and how she helped that women's division kind of survive during the Attitude Era, she was a lot more. Yeah, she was actually. Yeah, she put on good matches from what I recall. Um, She's a multiple-time women's champion, too. Multiple-time women's champion. Yeah, yeah. Would you say she was the most successful of the Hollies? <laughs> well, Crash obviously didn't have the longevity, unfortunately. God rest his soul. Um, no, I think Crash Holly, not Crash, I think Hardcore Holly uh, built a real good niche uh, for himself. And um, the legend of, of Crash, of Hardcore Holly, goes on and on about how stiff of a worker he was um, and a lot of the things. I mean, there's a whole running gag on. On it, but anyway, I don't want to spend too much time. I don't think she, she might be though. She's the only one in the Hall of Fame, so you'd have to say she is. Yeah, no, uh, she's in the I Hall of Fame. I don't, I don't believe Hardcore Holly's in. Is Hardcore Holly in the Hall of Fame? No, no, he's not. He's not. Not that I know of. You gotta, uh, I wanna, about, we got to find it out. But all right, so who's next? IRS. Yes, I would say yes too. And I go back to the whole Barry Windham, Mike Rotundo tag team because I love those guys. Oh, my gosh. And not to mention, he had a great run in, in WCW with the Varsity Club with Kevin Sullivan yeah. and Rick Steiner. And they actually with Dr. Dust Steve Williams for a short time. Uh, so, I mean, there definitely is some things happening uh, there that I think, yeah, you, you'd have to say he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Tag, former tag, multiple-time tag team champion, television champion, WCW. Um, and just consummate, consummate professional everywhere he went. So I, you definitely put Mike Rotunda IRS. Even though I like him to call him fucking Mike Rotunda, he's still I, yeah. WWE. If you were ever a character with them, that's who you are for the rest of your life. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. still want to know what the difference between Razor Ramon and Kevin Nash is. Why did Razor Ramon have to go and not Scott Hall? But how come Kevin Nash went and not Diesel? Uh, that's a great. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think you're right on that one, man. Uh, but I yeah, just don't IRS get it. I, I'd like yeah. to know. So, IRS is a legend. Uh, next one, uh, Molina. No, definitely not Molina. I mean, I guess she was a. Not, she had a really good run, though. 
not a legend, my, my opinion. I didn't even recognize her, so she's not getting legend from me. So yes. there's that. Uh, Tori Wilson. No. Not a legend. Not even close. Hall of Famer? I mean, she is in the Hall of Fame. I, I did not. I was never moved in terms of the stories that she told. Um, okay. I thought she was, but that's what that's not. And by the way, love her to death. I, I follow her on Twitter. She is one of the more positive, beautiful people in this world. But I was never a big fan of her in ring work. I didn't wasn't a fan of a lot of her storylines. You know, except when when the young Flair was boffing her. That was cool. Yeah. Did you cheer for her when A-Rod dated her? I didn't even know A-Rod dated her, but I definitely would. I, I'm oh, I'm all about all the starlets that A-Rod had dated. Big fan of all of them, even J-Lo. Um, J-Lo's my favorite one. I feel like they've really found each other. Yeah, there's there's uh, definitely uh, – they they themselves would be a great tag team. Uh, <laughs> Stacey Keebler was, was uh, yeah, with Clooney. Yeah, so Stacey Keebler was with Clooney. Yep. So would you say Stacy Keebler is a legend? Absolutely not. Wow. Okay. So you're sort of uh, painting them with the same brush. I def- oh, look, this is my thing. They were out there for, let's be honest. Let's be honest in 2020. They were eye candy. They were eye, 2021. That's how crazy this, this world is. But in this day and age, that kind of thing that they did wouldn't be over. And it would be ridiculed. They got, they did what they had to do to make money and, and be entertainers and, and get over in their own way. But I didn't respect the way they were utilized. I didn't, they, they put tag team. I think they made her a champion at one point. I'm not sure, but they yeah. put some really, they put some women who had no business wearing gold around their waist because they were tense. Yeah. And that's, I have, I have some resentment toward that. So nothing to do with her as a person or as a performer, but as a professional wrestler, she is not a legend. Even though she's beautiful, and again, as a person, I absolutely think she's awesome. From every yeah. all the all the energy she puts out into the world, it, the world's a better place because of Tori Wilson. But I don't think she's a legend in terms of a professional wrestler. It's fair. Um, let's go and do a one eighty. We're going from Tori Wilson to the Boogeyman. That's that's a ridiculous. No, the boogeyman is not a, a legend. Yeah, that's the other they, thing. They always have like room for him to appear, which I don't think he's a legend in the slightest either. I don't care how many worms he eats. Uh, it's and it's the same shit. Yeah, that's the other thing. They they bring all these guys out and they do the same exact joke that they have done every fucking legend that they're on for the last twenty years, fifteen years, or ten years. How long they've been doing it? Boogeyman, yeah, it's the uh, same thing. He scares somebody and he eats worms, and the boogeyman's going to get you. And then you roll out, and then you're on the, then you're looking all ridiculous. And then Ron Simmons looks at you and just says, "Damn, yay!" That's I think well, exactly the, what happened tonight. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, and you said you said the magic name. So Ron Simmons, legend. Ron Simmons is a legend. I don't. I, I absolutely. First African-American to win the world championship in WCW, beating Vader. Um, fantastic run with the Acolytes in the APA. Um, yep. Great run in WCWs in the WCW runs he had. Um, and again, another guy who put a lot of did a, did a great job and impact on the business. So Ron Simmons, 100% a legend. 
Okay, and then the last but not least, your favorite, Goldberg. <laughs> what did we do? Wait, we, we didn't do Double J. Oh, well, you know what? I and have that's a, the one. Yeah. I He's, can't stand Double J. You know what? Well, yeah, but is he a legend? Whether you, you can stand him or not, is he a legend? Um, I'm going to say no. Really? Yeah. Multiple time Intercontinental Champion. Yep. Multiple contacting champion. Yeah. Uh, U.S. champion in WCW. And and really was one of the main event guys for quite a while in Impact Wrestling. I mean, he was booking the territory, which probably is part of the reason for that. But so Double J, Double J Jeff Jarrett does not get legend in your book. No, he's a poor man, Ric Flair. And uh, he was most amusing when he used the term slap nut. But beyond that, uh, I don't give a good goddamn about him or his talent or his booking abilities. Harsh words for Double J. Holy shit. What did Double J do to you? Uh, he, just, he bored me for years. <laughs> I feel the same way about Randy Orton. Oh, no. You said it. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love Randy Orton. Um, all right. So that's Double J. I think he is a legend. And I think he's he's made a lot of mistakes in his life. And he's another guy that I follow on Twitter and I follow his career a little bit. And he's putting a lot. He's doing everything he can to be a better person. Um, and I think he's done a lot of good in the business. But he's also done a lot of scumbag things as well. We know how he held the Intercontinental Championship ransom and got a big payday out of it. And frankly, that cost him a job when McMahon bought the company. The company he went to work for a year and a half later that cost him his job. So that was karma. A year and a half karma later, but that was definitely karma for Double J. And in fact, Vince, if you remember, Vince put Double J. When that last episode of Nitro, he's like, oh, look at Double J. I wonder if he's going to be around. Well, I can tell you one thing. And, he, and Vince made reference to the fact that he's going to get fired. And he did that right on TV. And you know, <laughs> Vince is just like, remember that? Hey, pal, remember that Intercontinental Champion thing? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, uh, we don't have room for you. You're fired! <laughs> Thank you. We'll be here all night. So, yeah. That was so, good shit. Does that have anything to do with does that have anything to do with why you don't like Double J? Because he did uh, McMahon dirty with the Intercontinental Championship. No, uh, really. I just always uh, remembered, especially like him coming out on Nitro, I always felt like Owen Hart uh, would be carrying those segments. Uh, and then honestly, like when he left and went to WCW, I, I, I just like, you remember they would inter intertwine them, I think with the NWO and it was just, Okay. No, he was in the NWO. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just like, all right, I was amused with the slap nut, but I've never watched a Jeff Jarrett match and be like, you know what? My God, I got to show somebody this match. That's very fair. Not I, one. I, I'm trying Not to remember one, one myself. Um, that I'm trying to remember one that was really, really good and that really drew me in. And, and um, oh, yes. July 17th, 1997, he fought Mongo McMichael and a Deborah McMichael in a pole match. Wow. Glorious. No. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that wasn't a match. But, he, but I remember he, he and Mongo, Jeff Jarrett and Mongo McMichael, are they the two horsemen, two worst horsemen ever? Or is Paul Roman yeah, absolutely. there? Paul Roman um, doesn't beat them. I hate Mongo. 
and I do hate Jeff Jarrett too. Uh, I'd probably put Paul Roma above those guys. That is that is you, the, the, I get Mongo, but Jeff Jarrett getting a lot of hate from Vlad the Impaler. The, Jeff Jarrett getting impaled right now. Holy shit! Poor Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he gives a shit about my opinion, but whatever. He sucked. Well, <laughs> I, I thought I, Jeff Jarrett. I, you was know what? Let me let me let me bring up let me bring up a uh, creative point about him as well. All right. One of the things that's gone on behind the scenes, especially Raw, right, is that they brought a bunch of dudes from Impact over there, right? We can name uh, Drew McIntyre. We can name Jeff Jarrett himself, who's working in creative. Um, AJ. And also, and AJ, Bobby Samoa Lashley. Joe. Yeah, Samoa Joe. Oh, actually, there's plenty of them, actually. You can go up and down the list. They all probably worked in TNA for, or TNT yeah. for a little while. TNA, yeah. But, but, what, but what specifically, one of the things that's happened is, like, Raw has really gone downwards. And it's like, it tends to be, you know, sort of circling around the guys that were an impact that never really took WWE to task or even competed with them. So, you know, because they made amends with Jeff Jarrett and put him in the Hall of Fame because he sobered up, congratulations, great, that's great for you. Uh, you know, now all of a sudden that means like he can go and be creative. Like, I, I, I'm not buying it, man. Are you blaming Jeff Jarrett for Raw being so terrible? Uh, I think he's one of the reasons. <laughs> you really hate Jeff Jarrett. Jesus, Chris. Crime any sakes. <laughs> That's going to be a clip, man, how much you don't like Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. But anyways, I... all right. So I say Jeff Jarrett is a legend. You say he is not. So that's... Um, one we disagree on. I think we disagreed on another one. What was the other one we disagreed with? Uh, I think we started disagreeing on Tatanka, but I changed my mind. I was like, yeah, he's Karen. Like, I think it was Karen Jarrett when she was with Kurt Angle. Yeah, legend. But when she married Jeff Jarrett, psh, nope, no more. Bye. Goodbye. No more Bye. legend. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, Melina. So that's that's the list. I don't know, let us know what you guys think of this list. If you guys agree with us. Who's a legend? Who's not a legend? Hit us up at highspotscheappops at gmail.com. Follow me at Real Steve Valley on Twitter. And uh, we're going to be back. We're going to, right now, we're going to close the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about AEW. And we're going to talk about the fantastic tribute show that was Brody Lee, John Huber, of course, and and to me, the greatest uh, tribute show I've ever seen, ever. And uh, we'll get into that when we come back. You're listening to High Spots and Sheep Pops with. Vlad the Appaler and Silicon Steve Alley. We will be right back. <laughs> that is, oh, yeah, I should probably plug this in. Double F. J A double R E double T. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. Ding. I got I to gotta produce that in the video, you know. Well, we are back. High spots and cheap pops. It is January 4th. And, uh, we are now going to talk about what was probably the biggest news last week in the wrestling world, obviously the passing of Brody Lee. And I think we've all done a lot of our crying and, or, or emotional uh, reconciliation about it. So we can kind of talk about it with not quite as much of a somber tune as we did in episode one. Um, and we're going to talk about AEW's uh, response and tribute to one Brody Lee. Uh, John Huber, Luke Harper, whichever you want to call him, Big Rig. 
I don't know what else it would be, but he said a lot of awesome things. And um, we're going to kind of review the tribute show right now. And Vlad the Impaler, take it away. You actually just finished it. What was your, some of your highlights? And what do you think of the job that AEW, specifically Tony Khan and uh, Cody Rhodes and all the executive producers, the, the job that they did honoring Brody Lee? Uh, I thought they did a great job. Uh, prob- I could not necessarily think of a much better way to go and uh, honor John Huber. Um, he, uh, and as I'm, most importantly, that show really, I think, connected. And again, you, you know, we're living in a, in a time where you, you can only have a certain amount of people at a show. So I sort of imagine like what would have happened if they had a full house that night. Uh, it would have been top notch. Okay, you would have seen tears flowing amongst the crowd itself, uh, over and over, most likely. Um, but you, you saw, and it really felt the pain, um, the you know uh, the pain, the struggle, and uh, and in some ways the joy that uh, John Huber imposed on that locker room, and um, Tony Khan. Cody Rhodes, uh, the way they booked that that night uh, in accordance to what um, John Huber's son, Negative One, wanted, uh, was just sort of cool. Like, you know what? It was a, it was a thing where none of the Dark, dark Order matches were losses. Uh, they all won. They overcame um, their obstacles in the, in the matches, and they did a hell of a job. And uh, it was a great way to sort of get them over. And uh, there, I don't think there's any way that you can go back and make these guys uh, a bunch of heels, uh, especially when live crowds start again, because there's going to be Brody Lee chance anytime these guys come out. Um, but more importantly, um, just the way that Tony Khan and uh, uh, Cody ended the mat, ended the night, um, you know, here you had Sting arrived to go again and with Darby Allen to go and sort of uh, get rid of um, Team Taz, cleared the ring. Okay, now let's bring out Cody. Speaks beautifully. It's fighting back emotions. Speaking from the heart. And um, does a solid by Cody, uh, by uh, Brody Lee. And uh, brings out his wife, Negative One, along with Tony Khan. They name uh, Negative One, uh, you know, the TNT champion for life. Which, uh, very, very nice moment. But... when they leapfrogged from that moment to the video of Brody Lee, and I'm not sure specifically, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, what song uh, by Tom Waits that they were playing, <coughs> but it definitely went well with the vibe of uh, Brody Lee. And, um, and basically just to see all the pictures from him at the Indies on the indie level, and then also his buddies at WWE, uh, I mean, specifically, there's one black and white one of uh, Bray Wyatt and uh, and Brody Lee together, where Bray Wyatt just looks insane, and and you know you look at it and it just sort of hit me, and I'm like, yeah, they're holding a child, yeah. like a crying child or something. Well, I, that, yeah, well, that's one of them, and I think that's uh, uh, Bray Wyatt's oldest or one of his one of his children. But then there's just one of those two together, and you just see the insanity in Bray Wyatt's eyes along with Brody Lee. And I'm like, my God, man, I, I, I had been cheering these guys on since I even heard of them. I'm like, this yeah, is you were a huge, so... huge fan right away. Yeah, before they arrived, I was like, I'm on. I'm on board with this. 
because I knew the potential. Yeah, I'm in. I was in. And it was just sort of great to see uh, AEW not necessarily care, blur the lines of companies and just base it on friendships and impact. And um, I don't think they could have really done it any better considering the circumstances and how much time they had. And it worked out. And that night is definitely going to live forever. It's going to definitely be something that people are going to reference for many, many years. Um, it's great to see Jericho speak about him and reference their trip to Saudi Arabia. Um, Darby Allen as well was a good one. Uh, John Moxley was great yeah. too. Yeah, Moxley opening it. Yeah, that was awesome. So yeah, it was it was definitely a a, a great show. So yeah, I have zero complaints. They handled it way better than WWE, um, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, my hat my hat goes off to them for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'll, I'll go much a, step, a couple steps further. I think it was the greatest tribute show that I've ever seen. On the couple I've seen on the independent level, and the two that stick out in my mind in WWE, the first one is Owen Hart's, and then the second one's Eddie Guerrero's, and they both had the same kind of emotion, what have you. This felt a little bit more real um, to me, um, particularly because I think because social media, we're all connected, right? And everyone's seeing how everyone's reaction is all on Twitter. So you knew the reaction. The reaction was so palpable for four or five days of how AEW was going to respond. Brody's passing was on a Saturday, shows on a Wednesday. So, and we knew how impactful it was. Being the Elite had, had a situation where they did a perfect job on their episode, highlighting all the funny episodes of uh, funny Highlights of Brody Lee on being the elite. He was absolutely amazing. And he got that entire faction over, as we said. And then this tribute show, every match was, I thought it was great. And I thought it was the best because every match was booked specifically for two things. A, it continued every single storyline, which wasn't a focus, but every single storyline was pushed forward a little bit. And they used this tragedy, but they still maintained the storylines, which was incredible. Because, uh, for example, MJF came out with a Puerto Rican, um, with a, with a Puerto, Puerto Rican flag on the back of his tights, and here's a Jewish kid from from Long Island, and so they're building their friendship and all that. Um, again, a testament to how far MJF is going to go to be a heel. Rips off the kid Brody Lee Jr.'s mask, negative one's mask, and. And MJF is great. And then he and then he does the job for the kid, essentially, when Brody Lee Jr. hits him with the, with the cane. I mean, the way they involved this kid in the show was was amazing. And I, I didn't know they were going to do all that. I really didn't. I thought was the wrestlers were going to come out, say a couple things. Um, every match was booked great with the Dark Order guy getting a highlight, and the Dark Order went over, and the baby faces were going to win every single match, which was different from Owen. Because if I don't know if you remember, if Triple H went over, Jeff Jarrett went over, anyone that, that was considered close with Owen Hart or that were big stars. But if you remember, though, Rock went over, Triple H went over. They were never super close with Owen, either one of them. Owen, Rock and Owen were, were closer than Triple H. And Rock. But um, this was something where his presence was felt throughout that entire episode. And th- at the end of the night, he brings the mom and the kid in, and, then, and they do the thing with the boots. I mean, I lost it. The kid was crying in his mom's arms at one point, and he's crying and already cried in Tony Khan's arm, Tony Khan's arms with Tony with, with tears in his eyes. 
Tony Khan, and I don't know if he did this intentionally, but Tony Khan came out looking like the most benevolent, beautiful owner a professional wrestling company could ever have. And then to your point later on about how Vince, how Vince and WWE responded was shot far shorter than that. Which you're right. But the, the fact of the matter is, is I don't think, I don't know if anyone should be surprised. And we can get into that right now. But I thought that was, it was the best thing ever. And I thought that last part of that show, right before the tribute, to your point as well, was one of the most beautiful, heart-wrenching moments. And as heartbreaking and as sad as that moment was, it was extraordinarily healing for hundreds of thousands of people that were affected by this guy's death. The healing process and the way that the, the wrestling community came together. Twitter was not toxic. Social media was not toxic. It was softened. The internet wrestling community is one of the most toxic. I mean, if you don't like Roman Reigns, and I say I do, you'll tell me to fuck myself on the internet. People weren't doing that. People were being kind. People being nice. And that tribute show showed was a great example of the real beautiful good things that professional wrestling gives us in top to bottom and the love that they have for this sport and the love that he had for his family. They had a very beautiful intersection and it was beautifully done. And I cried. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I cried. I cried a couple times and uh, I just, and I'm just super excited for um, the future with AEW. The way they responded to me was big league, big league performance by all of them. And the matches were great as well and uh, they did everything they needed to do so kudos to them and by the way how about that short arm clothesline by jake the snake roberts he still has it yeah he definitely has it and uh i mean he's definitely more athletic than eddie kingston dude he gives a better rainmaker than freaking okada holy shit and check out one of our bonus podcasts uh when i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna be riffing on wrestle kingdom i'm gonna after we're done with this I'm going to go fire up the old uh, NJPWworld.com, and I'm going to check out Wrestle Kingdom. I'll come back with a report for everybody on High Spots and Cheap Hops. Uh, that, that episode should drop sometime on Wednesday on our Spotify. Check us out. But, um, yeah, but anyway, back to what we were saying. Yeah, I, I thought it was beautifully done. Um, I want to get into with you. You have major exception of how Vince and WWE responded, particularly Vince McMahon responded. Um, in fact, you sent a text. Do you mind if I read it on air? Depends on what I said. <laughs> well, I'll edit it out. If you said, um, you said, I bet Vince's penis is as mighty as they say. I don't know well, what you meant obvious. by that. No, I don't that's know what obvious. you meant by that. Um, no, you actually said Vince is an embarrassment, which isn't too bad. Uh, I felt he, the way he handled it was an embarrassment. Yeah, specific. I mean, really. well, how, how so? Because, I mean, well, I'm, I'm going to take you to task uh, here. But, uh, okay, so before you take me to task, I'd say probably 80% of that roster worked with, quote-unquote, Luke Harper. Right? He had only been gone for, what, a year? Maybe a year either. and a half? All right, so 80% of that roster had some sort of personal connection to him. That's yes. obvious. Yes. So what would, what would it take for Vince – to go and separate himself from the fact that this guy was no longer a paid employee to start off raw last week after the news hit over the weekend with a 10 bell salute with all of Luke Harper's friends out there who that, who were able to make it short of Bray Wyatt or 
uh, you know, whoever else, storyline wise, whatever you want to say. And we're there and had a moment of silence for Luke Harper, who had this impact on the actual um, locker room themselves, who started at NXT and then rose rose onto the ranks of both SmackDown and Raw and just gave them that. And then, okay, do your video package. And then whoever is willing to go and do some sort of uh, testimonial on Luke Harper, you just added that in amongst the less than decent show that they're putting on anyways. Would that have hurt? And it would have been actually something genuine for once on Raw Airwaves, on NXT Airwaves, on SmackDown Airwaves. But you know what? I haven't even gotten a chance to see SmackDown just yet. But I'm, like, what I'm reading is like, Big E's got to go work in little, almost subtle, like um, uh, uh, things in his promo where he mentions Luke Harper's uh, wife's name, where he mentions and his son. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's got to be like almost sneaky about it. Like we all know, Big E loves Luke Harper. Why can't he just talk about it? Like, look, the, the reality is that Vince doesn't do that. When Vince, he did it with Andre the Giant. When somebody leaves, when somebody leaves that company, he shuts it out. He he said it, and I'm curious as to why people are shocked and why people are angry. It's like you're asking you're asking a snake not to be a snake. Not that Vince is a snake. I'm not comparing him to a snake, but he's always had that attitude. Andre the Giant didn't have that great of a send up. I don't even know if he got a ten bell salute. He probably did, but. Luke Harper didn't have a major impact on screen, meaning he didn't have a major impact on the finances in that company. And that's how Vince McMahon judges his talent. Do you think it's a coincidence that he had a great relationship with Steve Austin and a great relationship with The Rock and a great relationship with Hulk Hogan when he was on top and he didn't have a relationship with B. Brian Blair? Or, or barely had a relationship with, with Christian for the first several years. You know, the fact of the matter is Vince cares about dollar signs when he is booking people. He wants them to be successful. He wants them to train hard. He wants to hold them accountable. He wants to, to teach them. But at the end of the day, if you, didn't, if you don't think you put money in his pocket and now his stockholders' pockets, he's not going to, great, he's not going to cherish you as much, unfortunately. And he, that's why Vince didn't think it was that important. He probably thought of other people that died within the last 15 or fifteen years or 10 years, and he didn't do a 10-bell salute either. I don't think they did a 10-bell salute for Rowdy Roddy Piper. I, they don't do 10-bell salutes, really. They just don't, unless they think there were other active wrestlers in the company. And would it have killed him? No. Would it have been classy? Yes. Vince doesn't give a shit. Until AEW starts beating that ass, starts beating, until AEW starts taking viewers away from Raw and SmackDown, which will never happen because AEW staying on Wednesday, unless Vince starts losing ratings and USA starts saying, we're not giving you as much money anymore because you're not giving us the goods, until it starts hitting the bottom line in that company, Vince isn't going to give a shit what you and I think. And they don't care about being classy. He doesn't give a shit. Like you said, he shut off. If you watch the, the Great Andre the Giant documentary on HBO, Vince McMahon shuts off those relationships and he shuts off, off his feelings. And he was never close with Brody Lee to begin with. Brody Lee could have been completely insignificant to Vince McMahon. 
Why would, why would, that's ridiculous. What did he do for this company? What did he do for this company that I would put, I would waste 10 seconds of valuable airtime. I have to get Ms. TV out there. I, I mean, uh, I'm going to take you to task now because now you're making my point valid. Because oh, I agree with giving, you, but why are you mad? Yeah, uh, because of a guy who's been in the television industry for this long doesn't know how to actually create television that will go and capture the audience's uh, initial attention as they would with, say, a 10-bell salute to start off raw when he died on a Saturday and this was Monday night, and you have all his friends standing there showing their raw emotion while they're doing the 10-bell salute. And now all of a sudden, now it's a, a holy crap. One, Luke Harper passed away, in case you didn't know. And number two, you're going to go and see a different side of these wrestlers. And not that it's necessarily a tribute show to Brody Lee, but you can go and then incorporate testimonials, like I said, and sort of make that sort of a reoccurring theme. And you're not going to go and change your channel. But hey, you know, you know what we got instead? I, I mean, I would love to to look at Raw that night, segment by segment, and say, okay, that could have been cut out. Oh, okay. Hey, yeah, here's another insignificant Ms. TV. Oh, okay, great. He could have made better TV, which what impacts what ratings? That's mm -hmm. money right there. But he spites himself because of how hard-headed he is. And you can't convince me that he didn't do that because he was pissed off about the whole exalted one thing that Brody Lee was doing, pretty much acting like Vince McMahon, and especially in his initial vignettes. Mm -hmm. So there you go. He's stubborn. He won't let it go. And then, you know what? I don't care about what the locker room has to think. I'm Vince F. and McMahon. Okay, Vince. Okay, well, there's a, there's a couple other players in town now. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you keep on going this route. And then another thing that's coming out um, in the dirt sheets, as you like to call them, is that evidently, uh, WWE's been trying to make extensions to different stars beyond like whose contracts are running out this year, and yeah. so far they're being pushed away. They're being pushed away. Nobody wants to resign with them. I mean, there's a see, this is this is what happened, and AJ Styles was a very good example of that, and so was Gallows and Anderson. Those guys, for some reason, didn't. And a lot of people didn't think AEW necessarily was going to make it. So a couple of them, like Kevin Owens, signed a contract to get the money now, make sure I can make my money while I can. I can always go to AEW when this contract over, if they're still going good. So a lot of guys did, aren't signing these extensions because now they don't like a lot of what WWE is doing. It's the same kind of thing that happened in the mid to late 90s. And Vince McMahon and the WWE is going to have to change the way that they structure their contracts and that they do business with these wrestlers because there are options now. Yep. From professional wrestling on a global level may never have been as popular as they are. And WWE is the biggest reason for that, obviously. But New Japan is bigger than it's ever been. AEW now is the first viable second North American company since WCW to be on a major network and draw consistently over a half a million people a week. In fact, there have been more consistently towards 750 and a million recently. Yep. It's getting more popular, and they're on for a few years. So these storylines are going to happen. These stories are going to be told. Yep. And Vince, and people are paying notice of what they're doing in AEW. And they're yep. seeing that they're, they're, how well there's health insurance for their, for their wrestlers. The wrestlers have creative freedom. I think it comes down to Vince. They are, they're afraid that 
the way they look at it is we created these stars. Now they're going to go elsewhere and make make money off of our exposure that they gave. That's how Vince feels. Despite the fact Kevin Owens was Kevin Steen and he was way over it in, in, in NXT before he even signed on the paper. Same thing with Adam Cole. Same thing with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. These guys were all major independent stars that WWE plucked from the independents, and they were already major stars when they walked into the, to the building in NXT. Same thing with Shinsuke Nakamura from New Japan. So my point here is, is that there's a new game in town, and Vince McMahon is either going to have to be hurt in a financial way, which is what I said. He's going to have to, the ratings are going to have to continue to fall to the point where USA says, we got to talk. Or, unfortunately, the other option is Vince McMahon no longer is in that chair. And I think the latter is what's going to happen because I don't think the former is going to happen because AEW is not going after WWE like WCW did. AEW on Wednesday. WWE went after NXT. WWE went after AEW. But we're getting, I'm, I'm on a tangent about that. But you see the love that, and let's compare Tony and Vince right now. Because I have a question I'm going to pose after I talk of this to you. Tony Khan is, is making himself known as a legitimate owner. I think a lot of people thought he was just a millionaire mark. Billionaire mark, I should say. A billionaire mark running, trying to put together his own television show. And he's you know letting the boys run the company, so forth and so on. But the way he has stepped to the table and the, the things that he said and the way he has is starting to develop almost a character um, as a really responsible and caring owner in comparison to Vince McMahon. I mean, you talked about business and you talk about the way they treat their wrestlers night and day. And look, Tony Khan's only been doing this for a couple of years. Vince has been doing this for 50. But what a difference in terms of the response and the way that they seem – uh, the reputation that both of them have, the comparison. And then my second question in, on that, in five years, who's the most powerful man in professional wrestling? Is it Triple H or is Tony Khan? Let's take it a step further, 10 years. In 10 years, is it a possibility that Tony Khan is the most powerful man in this business? I think it is. I think I'm, I'm just putting it out there because he's only 37, I think, or 38. Pardon me. And I can see by the end of 2021, AEW's ratings are the same as Ross. And if that happens... No, you're probably a, right. It, 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 it's going to happen I'm not, eventually. I'm not sure if you saw it. I don't know if you saw it, but there was like reports coming out that the USA Network asked Vince to change the formula of Raw where they want to be more adult, I think, on the violence level. Uh, not necessarily sexuality, but more violent. And they're looking for something different now. So, oh, I did read that. Because yeah, USA, so, I mean, like, Raw had are having record lows. I mean, they've had yes. three, I think, of their lowest ratings ever this past year in 2020. Yep. So, yeah. and it's and it just and because it's the same formula they've been doing for 15 years, it's the same exact formula. And. Yep. What I mean, there was I, I said this on one of our bonus podcasts the other day. You look at wrestling and how popular it was. You know, I'm sure there was a ton of overlap, but you had 
you know, Raw pulling four million and Nitro pulling three million, or vice versa, and that there were times where Raw was pulling six million and, and Nitro was pulling three million. So I mean, there were nine million people pretty much every single week watching professional wrestling. Now, obviously, there was some overlap. Um, it was probably most like five or six million total, but at, either way, I mean, that's a lot of people watching professional wrestling. And now, you know, if one of them pulls two million, if SmackDown doesn't pull two million, then you're like, oh my god. What's going on? But two million is acceptable for SmackDown. Uh, two million is great for Raw, and one million is great for AEW. So, what happened to all those people who used to watch it back in the day? Well, wrestling started to suck, and they turned yep. it off. And re- AEW is up their alley. And if more people get tuned on to AEW, that's when WWE is going to finally change the way they do business. And Vince will go with it because when he needs to, he does. Now. I have to ask you now. That's interesting. That's not. Do you think that's going to fix their problems just because AJ Styles is going to bleed once a week, opposed to not? I mean, what's what? That's that's not going to change it. Making it more violent is not going to change the problem with their booking. Their booking is the issue. It's yeah. Simple. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they, you're right about that. <clears throat> yeah, because if they keep on doing, excuse me, if they keep on doing the, uh, you know, the similar booking where it just doesn't make any sense and. You know, we're dealing with countouts and, um, you know, sort of stupid disqualifications, whatever. I mean, here's a, here's a, how about this? Here's a novel idea. When you have somebody competing, like right now, who's the uh, IC champion, right? It's uh, it's the same as Zane Lost, right? So who e. beat him? It was Big E, right? So Big E is like feuding with somebody. And for some reason, I don't get this, like, um, save it's Baron Corbin. All of a sudden, for the next, like, two months, on every SmackDown and pay-per-view, Big E is doing something, either a singles match or a tag team match with Baron Corbin. Yeah. How about this? Let's just leave it. Don't let them cross paths unless it's the actual pay-per-view. God forbid. Uh, that, that, to me, is probably one of the more frustrating things. Because now I've seen, all right, just doing the math pretty quickly, if you're talking two months... Um, and you have two pay-per-views. I've seen now t- them wrestle each other 10 times. Really, how many times can you recreate the wheel? Well, I mean, they're doing the same thing with Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Yeah. And Roman, yeah. yeah and absolutely. I, I mean, why? I mean, we just, so are they going to fight again in another Royal Rumble? Is that, are they, they're going to fight again at Royal Rumble? So I'm not sure. they're going to have yeah, four no. main event matches. They're going to have three or four main event matches in singles. Like three main event matches in singles. Two on a pay-per-view and one on, on SmackDown. Plus, they were that he was involved with matches with with Jey Uso. They were also in a tag match. Yeah. I'm with you. Make it special. Make them have it because now it's like okay. Uh, I mean, okay, because you know we, you're going to see the same moves. Yeah. It's the same. That's the thing. They're they're very similar matches with a little prinkle at the end changes it. Yeah, yeah. And that's I mean, what is infuriating. As great, and that was a good match. That 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 cage match on, on SmackDown was a good match a couple weeks yeah. ago. But at the yeah, same time, yeah. am I supposed to be jazzed about Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns? It's the third time I'm seeing it. Yeah. In months. Not to mention they feuded a couple of years back. They fought a lot. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. I'm I'm 100% with you. That makes absolutely zero sense to me um, the way they booked it. And they, and they do that 50-50 booking, too. Keith Lee's jobbing to Sheamus one week. And then the next week, you know, or no, he's jobbing to who did he, who did he job to? McIntyre. might have been... He, he anyway, Keith Lee took a loss, a singles loss, I think to Randy Orton. Um, a second time, I think it was the second time they fought. 
And uh, then he's fighting for the world championship the next week. Today, Oscar and Charlotte Flair, the, 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 the dominant tag team champions, just got beat by a team that hate each other. Yep. You know, so it's just, again, it's just, it, it's just booking that just, there's no long-term booking. There's no stories to sink your teeth into. There's no stories to where you care about these characters. And you feel bad because there's, they're genuinely really talented, awesome people. Yep. But if so, you want any, but if you that's the unfortunate your, part. If you get back to your, your, <clears throat> your initial point, like if you just add violence to what you and I just described, I don't really see the ratings changing much, but if you add violence to it and then you actually keep their, like, you know, the, the contender away from the champion only on pay-per-views versus maybe just having a few scuffles, like you and I love the attitude error. What were we waiting for each and every week? It wasn't a stone cold match necessarily. It was whoever stone cold had in his, in his sights. And you wanted to hear that broke that uh, glass break and then mm-hmm. him coming down the ring and kicking ass. It wasn't an official match. And there it was. That was sort of the formula. I'm not saying they need to recreate Stone Cold because you're not going to be able to do it. But we yearned for that pay-per-view because, hey, finally, they're facing each other. They made it special. Yeah. And that's how they did it back in the day. Hogan didn't fight Bundy until WrestleMania 2. Yep. You know, Hogan didn't yep. fight Andre till WrestleMania 3. Hogan yep. didn't fight, you know, I mean, he fought Andre again, but you know, then, you know, Hogan fought Savage for the first time in a while. That's what they did. Meanwhile, you know, and they do that to a certain extent with WrestleManias, but no, they, they over the same match over and over and over again. They ha- I mean, how many times did, did Orton and McIntyre fight in a main event at either Raw or, or I think they main evented three pay-per-views, if not four. Yeah. And Randy finally won the one. Three pay-per-views and one, one Monday Night Raw. He won the Monday, he wound up winning the title back on the Monday Night Raw before Survivor Series. So that that's that's that deal. So in that instance, you're looking at did I need to see Randy Orton fight Drew McIntyre four fucking times in three months? I mean, you don't think it changed us? And then they then they had a Randy Orton another inconsequential title reign like he had a couple of years ago after he beat Wyatt, and he lost it to the great Jinder Mahal. Yep. What was the point of those? I mean, dude, half of Randy Randy Orton's title reigns were completely inconsequential and uh, fight me on that. I mean, he's just, he was the perennial transition champion. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, whatever. Uh, but anyways, but uh, back to that with events, I, I just don't know, you know, when it comes to the booking and it comes to everything, Vince is not changing. Like we said, Vince is not going to change. So you use the word embarrassment. Again, it doesn't, I want. I don't get how he's never done that with anybody that hasn't been in the, in, the, in that company. So why? Why? What would be? Okay, a, I'm saying I'm Vince McMahon. Say I'm Vince McMahon. You are say a, a hand there. Convince me why when I've never done this with anybody else in this situation. Convince me why Brody Lee should be on my TV for 20 seconds tonight for for a 10 uh, salute. Uh, convince you? Yeah, uh, I'm Vince McMahon. At, uh, Okay, well, Vince, take a look at social media. See what's trending right now. Uh, okay, Luke Harker, Harper uh, slash Brody Lee. Uh, you're doing this before your competition has the opportunity to go and do it. And honestly, he likes to be a capitalist. Capitalize on it. But most importantly, make your talent <clears throat> realize or feel like you actually might give a shit. 
How about that? And and and, and in the end game, you're going to actually get better ratings for this raw. Enjoy that. Hmm. You know what? Do you like Lacey Evans? Love her. Oh, I, I love her. I think, I, quite frankly, I, I think she's big money for us. Um, instead of doing that, we're going to have uh, Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce in a tag team match against uh, that Neidhart kid. And to, uh, who else we got? Who else we got there? Road Dog. Who else we got? Yeah, bitch, we got we got a little bit. We got a little bit of uh, Tamina. We got her. Yeah, yeah. Put her in a minute. Ah, goddamn! I love that Tamina. What were you saying? <clears throat> That they were, too, he was too busy booking that tag match. Yeah, he's. And, and no, that's he couldn't I hear feel, what you were saying. Yeah, no, no, I got, and and that's where I feel is an embarrassment. Like yeah. you know, think yeah. outside the box and actually do something current, do something unexpected, and do something that the actual fan base will like. Classy. Stink your teeth in. Yeah. You sound classy. Sudden, yeah, and now all of a sudden, those people that are not signing uh, contracts with you might say, "Oh, wait a second, maybe Vince is like you know changes ways a little bit." But no, he hasn't. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's doing damage the way he handled it because a lot of people that were on the WWE roster and that who, who now no longer is with WWE did take WWE to task, particularly Brian Myers, formerly Kurt Hawkins. He, he just said, that's it. This is not right, referring to Raw. Yeah. So I think your your opinion is not certainly not in the minority. I think it's the majority. I think a lot of people have that problem, but I don't have that problem with Vince because he's never been that guy. He's never done that for for a guy who left. He probably is still pissed off. The guy basically mocked Vince openly. did Did not show a lot of respect to Vince on the John Moxley. And I'm not. And look, Vince is a narcissist streak in him. So when he hears that. Brody goes on there and sizzles Vince on the, he's one of the many, you know, he did it. FTR did it. Moxley did it. They all just kill how bad Vince is at creative right now. Yep. They all did it. And then Brody Lee goes on there and, and, and part of his persona is based off of Vince yep. to a certain extent. He would argue that it wasn't fully Vince, but it was slightly inspired by it. And Vince probably was like, fuck him, whatever. I don't care if he, Vince is so far above, what people like you and me and even his own performers think. He so doesn't give a fuck. Or he let them do their little gaming se sessions on Twitch. He does not give a shit. It's just that simple. Until it starts hitting the pocketbook. And it's sad. Because I think it's finally going to bite him in his ass. Because, like we were saying, Tony Khan is now putting together a kinder, a kinder, gentler wrestling promotion. Um, he's putting together kind of, you know, the kind of vibe where everyone in that on that roster was saying how proud they were to work for a guy named guy like Tony Khan. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. And, and, and meanwhile, you have people calling for unions over in WWE. It's a definitely a different vibe, and it's a different company strike. Everything's different about it. It's just it, it's apples and oranges. Yeah, the way Vince is going to leave this off, if uh, Triple H and Stephanie and Shane are the ones that remain and don't sell off, for instance, it's going to be difficult at first for them to sort of uh, uh, reignite, I'd say, some sort of faith with the locker room and maybe even prospects that they might be interested in. Okay? I mean, honestly, 
if you were Kenny Omega and your contract was running up with AEW and you're having this sort of run and this sort of creative uh, freedom, if a WWE came to you and offered you, I don't know, a million dollars more a year, would you take it? Maybe not. Probably not. No, I Omega definitely would. I don't know if he yeah. was the right one to go with. Um, who else would you go with? That might be. He was not a vice. I mean, he's a vice president too, and you know, Kenny's Kenny's in this for the long um, So he'd Darby be the wrong Allen. guy, but huh? Darby Allen. You know, Darby Allen. He produces all his segments. So unless he had something in it, but that's the thing is that people are and looking for creative control. And, and, and let me let me say this. WWE would have ruined Darby Allen. Oh, they don't even know. What to do. they, they wouldn't know what to do him. He'd be, on, oh, he'd no, be stuck no. on 205 Live. Yeah, he'd be on 205 Live, maybe NXT, and they'd be dropping the ball left and right. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think probably do okay with him on NXT. I mean, for a short term. But NXT seems like ever since they went on USA, they pretty much lost their soul. And that's what yeah. a lot of people are saying. I brought that up to your attention earlier, and you said you have you're not really sure yet. But now, you know, you were the big NXT flag carrier on this on our podcast on this program. Do you even watch NXT anymore, Vlad? Uh, I haven't been as consistent. Part of the reasons been actually is uh, I've been frustrated with some of the uh, injuries between Finn Balor and even Karrion Cross. Um, that's hurt them. Then the other thing is, I don't understand what the hell they're doing with the you know, undisputed era, especially Adam Cole. I'm like, I'm, I'm like totally, uh, you know, I don't get it, really. They just buried Adam Cole at uh, Brody Lee's wake. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, yeah, I saw uh, it. Brody Lee, yeah. Jun- Brody Lee Jr. He 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 jobbed out to Brody Lee Jr. I it just you know once you book Adam Cole to lose to a kid, how do you bring him back and and and, and make him believable that he can win a championship? I don't know how you do it. Bad job booking. It's a terrible job. But, you know, what's funny is they had Adam Cole in NXT going against Pat McAfee, who was a former NFL punter, not even a professional wrestler at this point. And one of the things I enjoyed was getting CM Punk's perspective on Pat McAfee, saying, if you look at it, he's actually probably the best guy in the mic amongst anybody on these, this entire roster, NXT or the main roster included. Yeah, Pat McAfee is already a great professional wrestler. Already. He's an entertainer. The guy... Yeah, he's obnoxious. I don't know his TV show. Uh, his character is obnoxious, but I can see people loving him, and I can see people hating him. The guy is money. Pat McAfee is a natural in terms of yeah. putting on a show. Yeah, yeah, and and that's they like, sort of got lucky with him, and it's like that was a very valid point. Where that's sort of frustrating me. Where like a former NFL punter of all things who who does put put on a, a decent show for sure. I mean, it was better than I expected. Anything I've seen with him in the ring. Um, all of a sudden, he's the go-to. Like, are you telling me that? Yeah, there's nothing else there. <laughs> An NFL yeah. punter is the is is the top guy on the mic right now. I, he's definitely one of them. I, you definitely yeah. can go, and he's got to do it for a long period of time. But I, I don't think Pat McAfee wants to be a professional wrestler full time, so I don't think it's going to be a big deal. But hell, dude, I, I mean, he's better than you, Jackman was, or the dude who plays um, the dude who wrestled Cody at all at. Uh, was it the was it all it wasn't all in it was I don't know Cody wrestled um, or somebody wrestled I forget who it was somebody wrestled the guy who plays Archer and mm-hmm. he did a really good job he was a really good and I think it was it, 
No, it was Frankie Kazarian. I'm sorry, at All Out. The guy who yeah. plays Archer, he did a couple spots at WWE and got involved in the matches, and I forget his name. Um, and I should pull it up. But um, he had a pretty good match with with Frankie Kazarian as well. But other than that guy, I don't think I've ever seen a, 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 a outsider come into to wrestling as a celebrity spot and have that good of a match. I mean, if you can – Remember one, you can tell me. It certainly wasn't Mr. Fucking T or Lawrence Taylor. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah, just give me a moment. To, yeah, I'd have to think about that for a minute. But... Was it Jay Leno? Oh, yeah. that was. Hey, don't forget about Carl Malone, man. Oh, no. Dude, Carl Malone was better than Leno, though. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> not, not bad for a guy who's all into statutory rape. <laughs> People don't like bring. People don't like bringing that up about Carl Malone. I didn't even. I don't remember it. I vaguely yeah. remember him getting in trouble for that. No, he didn't even get in trouble with it. He was in college at the time, and uh, I think he was having relations with a fourteen-year-old girl. Well, yeah. I mean, we all do stupid things in college, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah, I was definitely rooting for Rodman in that uh, feud. I don't care what DDP says. <laughs> well, dynamite. But I'm saying, but so but back to my point, can you think of another celebrity match, which was a, which originally was going to be a one-off? Can you think of another celebrity match where a guy came in and actually wrestled that well, that good of a match? Mm. So give Pat McAfee a lot of credit. I mean, granted, he shouldn't be at the top of the heap in any of the rosters, but the yeah. guy can go from what I can tell. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, it's, it's a lot of it has to do with his um, persona on the mic, too, to, for me. I was a little bit surprised, like, that they're putting, like, Oni Lorkin uh, with him and the other English dude, and then um, all right, Pete the, Dunn. The bro, the, the, what's it, what is he? The, bru, the bruiser weight? Bruiser weight. Yeah, yeah. Well, they put Pete Dunn as, like, sort of the one that's, like, legitimate with them, I'd say. Um, but, yeah, like, the other two who became tag team champs all of a sudden, I don't know. Really they mustache mountain or the grizzled that would have been veterans. better. Who? <laughs> yeah, the grizzled young veterans as another one. Um, yeah, it was uh, Oni Lorikin, and there was like uh, I forget the other guy's name. I don't even think they have a name for the tag team. They just go by their regular names. Uh, uh, one, well, whatever. That, that's the thing. It's just yeah. yeah NXT, I was NXT never drew me in, and, and they're getting their clock clean right now. And what's funny is, and, and, and I like to talk. We'll talk about it at a later time when WWE made the decision to put them on Wednesday against AEW. You know, at the time, I thought it was well. They're the under. They're, they're in a very weird position where they're putting themselves in the position of underdog, and they're also trying to hurt their their competition, which is what they have done. If AEW went on un, unopposed, I think you're going to see the brand grow even quicker. Oh, so WWE knew what they were doing. It was a calculated yeah. risk, and the only way it would fail is if NXT is literally canceled off of USA. And if yeah. they keep on going in the direction that they are, that is not far from a possibility. And if they get NXT canceled, that's a black eye on WWE. Or maybe they'll have it move to Saturday night, like shotgun Saturday night or something. That's you know what's when... ironic? They're looking to add uh, another show for NXT on USA. They can't even do two hours right. Yeah. No, that that, that would be I, I If you're USA, why would you give them any more money? You, you just took the best show, and now we're not the best show anymore, even though we're paying the same amount of money, if not more. 
we're not the Freeman uh, show anymore. And yeah, you're giving us this shit sandwich on Wednesday night where we're now we're we're the we're not even the best we're not even the number one wrestling program when we're we're airing. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. So, you know, what have you. But um you can see if we can get circle back to around to, to Tony Khan and Vince and the differences, you can see I can see Tony Khan is this is really laying a lot of groundwork and it's putting it out there that yeah, to your point, Adam Cole. There were rumors like last year, I think you were telling me, there were rumors that uh, his his contract was up last year. It's not up. It's 18 months from last year. So he's, his contract's up in about a year from now. So I think after next WrestleMania, not this WrestleMania, next WrestleMania, Adam Cole would be a free agent hypothetical. And he is extraordinarily good friends with the Bucks, Kenny Omega, and all of them. He was obviously at Brody Lee's wake. And, I, and he's obviously extraordinarily heavily involved with Britt Baker. If working for AEW is everything that it seems like it is, why wouldn't Adam Cole go? And the only reason I could see is his relationship with Triple H. He and Triple H have a very special relationship. Does he walk away from Triple H? And going back to your point, uh, you know, is Triple H the – I don't think the Stephanie and, and Shane, I don't know if they're in it for the long haul, at least on the in, on the creative side. I don't think they have what it takes or the want to be on the creative side of, of the business. So at that point in time, it becomes Triple H, does it not? And I think Triple H is putting enough goodwill. I think a lot of people are thinking when Triple H takes over, things are going to be different and things are going to be sunshiny. I'll, I think they're going to sell it to Disney. Instead of Triple H taking over, Disney's going to be owning WWE. is pretty much Disney as it is anyway. But where, so where do you – so that's where I'm thinking. So 10 years from now, Tony Khan's laying down this great vibe that he's a great owner to work for. He's not a pushover, but he gives you the opportunity to get over on your own accord. WWE obviously doesn't do that. Does Triple H change the philosophy that Vince McMahon has put in place the last 15 years completely and give wrestlers the ability to put – breathe life into their own characters or does triple h continue the same creative process as, as vince mcmahon uh you know what like it's hard to answer that question but i don't think he would do the same creative thing as vince uh i think he would probably start relying on friends of his like uh sean michaels uh one of the things i read this week was that um they're actually bringing in the undertaker to go and train people at nxt as well Whoa, that, well, that's so, pretty badass. Imagine training steps. in friggin' Undertaker training. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Well, what, is, what else is the Undertaker going to do? Yeah, get? I would say that those people... At, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's great for him because, you know, he gets to, you know, keep the next generation going in a positive way and maybe teaches them something. That's something, actually, Tony Khan can't provide right now. So if Sean, if if Triple H is able to go and provide his friendships and his allegiances with, say, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, I don't want to even say Road Dog because I, I think that's a hit or miss sort of scenario there. But um, you know, perhaps a Kevin Owens at a certain point, uh, Sami Zayn, I could see him being a great influence in NXT, especially after he retires. Things like that. Um, you see Gargano and Ciampa, they don't even want to leave NXT. They don't want to even go to the main roster. I don't even so, think they. I don't. I don't even to think Triple H. Yeah. Well, I don't even think that the Undisputed Era wants to leave there either. I'm not 
not convinced Undisputed yeah, Era gets so. over on the main that's roster. Yeah. I'm not convinced. You can't convince me that Undisputed Era gets over on their roster with their <clears> size. No, no way. Well, I, I and I, I'd agree with that because one, I don't think they would be booked right. What's well, the that is the they should be booked like the <clears throat> yeah they should be booked like the four horsemen and they would be more or less booked like okay Adam Cole and uh, the Varsity Squad. But that's that's the thing. That's the Varsity Squad, the uh, cheerleaders. Yeah. <laughs> what were they called? Spirit Squad? Wasn't it Spirit Squad? Yeah, was it the Var? Yeah, Spirit Squad. Yeah, the, the one varsity. That you, I think yeah. that we talked about this earlier in the show. The uh, varsity, the Varsity Club, was uh, Mike Rotunda, Kevin Sullivan, Rick Steiner. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah not them. The Spirit. Yeah, the, the cheerleader. The Spirit Squad. Was Dolph Ziggler start. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. yeah, Spirit. So yeah, it would be Adam. Adam. Yeah, it would be Adam Cole and the Spirit Squad, basically. And that's not right. <laughs> well, that's exactly. And you're seeing what Kyle O'Reilly is doing. I mean, they're, they're t again, independent stars. And that's to the point, it, it's, it's so scary because you've seen so many talented people go up into the main roster. I mean, the list is on and on. Ricochet, Alistair Black, um, you know, Pack, formerly Neville. Yeah. Um, there's so many, <clears throat> Cody Rhodes even. There's so many people that have super much, yeah. so much talent, and they just didn't do anything with. Uh, Obviously, the biggest I, one, I the mean, Ascension, the one your did. personal favorite, <clears throat> the Ascension. Oh, the, get over. oh, my God. Such, <clears throat> I mean, I, I would love to see the Ascension be managed by Jeff Jarrett. Uh, that would be just awesome. Um, <laughs> you, you, you did mention one name. If I was Tony Khan, <clears throat> out of those names that you mentioned, Alistair Black is the guy that I want. I mean, there's a lot of guys that want. But don't forget, by the way, I, I want to kind of touch on uh, well, was, that Triple H can tap into his friendships. Don't forget, executive vice presidents, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes. And let's not also forget, they just signed Sting to a multi-year deal. They have Dustin Rhodes. There are plenty of guys there that have star power there to get some big stars to stay or come over to this and. More importantly, proof is in the pudding. Wrestlers are given creative freedom to <clears throat> breathe life into their characters, and they're getting opportunities to get over. And if they're big, and if yeah. they and if they work, because it's hard to get on Dynamite. Sean Spears isn't not on Dynamite because he sucks. He's not on Dynamite because he hasn't put forth the best creative possibilities for him, or he hasn't been given the best creative situation yet. You know, he's yeah. left Tony Blanchard. So you know. Being on Dynamite and having a major storyline on Dynamite is very, very difficult because there's so many people in the AEW now. Um, but they have a two-hour show that they put on on YouTube, and wrestlers are able to get out there and practice their craft, have great storylines happen in there too. So, you know, people that, like an Adam Cole might say, hey, Vince, I think I might want to go do some, make some money with my friends. And because at this point in time, if Adam Cole leaves and never leaves NXT, then it's not really like he was WWE gave him this huge chance. He was just <clears throat> yeah. as popular. I don't think Adam Cole's brand is that much bigger than it was before he joined WWE. Adam Cole was one of the biggest stars on the independent scene when he joined WWE. Probably the biggest. Unless you count Kenny Omega, but I don't count him because he's with New Japan. So point being, where does... You know, what What do you take from that? You know, 
does Adam Cole leave? I think Adam Cole is, I think there's a really good possibility Adam Cole's in AEW by 2023. 2022 even, possibly. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <clears throat> yeah, and if, if I were him, I wouldn't even go to the main roster at this point. Because if he's not going to resign, they're just going to drop him out. Yeah, I mean, look at, yeah, I mean, Dean Ambrose has dropped out to Nia Jax before he cut, cut loose. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't know, but I really just want to reflect. I think Tony Khan and Triple H will be the two most powerful men, but there is that possibility that the McMahon sell to Disney. But either way, the nuts and bolts of this conversation is AEW to me did the very best tribute. It was like the Owen Hart show had the same kind of emotion, but the fact that WWE had a hand, whether indirectly and certainly not, you know, intentionally, but WWE put him up on that scaffolding and he fell to his death. His wife didn't want him to do it. He didn't want to do it by all reports. He still did it. And that put a real sour note that, because basically if he wasn't a professional wrestler, he would still be alive. And that kind of casts a dark cloud on that night a little bit, particularly after we know what happened with Martha Hart and Vince afterward with, with, with all the legal fees and how much the WWE wanted paying her. This was a situation where, the owner was a major part of the healing. And I don't know if Vince um, has ever done that on camera like that, ever. And maybe it's not his place, but is it because he doesn't want to take, he doesn't want to, he's not good at that kind of thing? Or is it because he doesn't want to take airtime away and look like to make people think he was grandstanding because you can say somebody, you, someone can make the argument, well, why is Tony Khan out there? Tony Khan even out there. He's never on TV. And I think it's just a stupid argument because I've heard that a couple people say that. I mean, the guy's out there as a show of solidarity and he's out there to try to heal that child. I mean, that was a genuine, genuine moment with him embracing that, that, that little boy. And if, it, if, it, and if it wasn't real for Tony, it was God damn it. It was real for that kid. Brody Lee Jr. just lost his son who's crying with a mask on. A very powerful moment. And I think that's a moment that a lot of people, I mean, if you look at a moment of how an owner treats his, his team and how he treats his, his, his team's family, that's a powerful moment. It tells you what kind of man Tony Khan is. And now, and then, then you have Vince McMahon trying to get people who aren't making that much money anyway on your in comparison to others, trying to cut their knees off and not let them make money on Twitch. Yep. Same time. But times are changing. And it's going to take a couple of years. But Vince is, the WWE is going to have to change the way they do business. And I think that was real apparent this week. That's going to be the case because AEW, above all else, not just the classiness and all that, they prove that they are major players in professional wrestling when they nailed it and possibly had the greatest tribute show in the history of, of the sport. That's a heavy statement yep. from a production level. From a production level, from an emotion level, from a booking level, um, I, they couldn't have done a better job. I, I would defy anybody. The Eddie Guerrero one wasn't as good, and the Owen Hart one wasn't as good. The Chris Benoit was the Chris Benoit one was killer though. Well, what? It was good. I'll edit that one out. How come, yeah. how come when I say the offensive shit, it's on air? When you say the offensive shit, it's not on air. It's not fair, everybody. Timing is everything. <laughs> well, anyway, we have gone super long here today. I have had a blast talking to you. Great. We're, we're going to 
Say goodbye now. Vlad, any uh, last words about the AEW tribute show to Brody Lee and anything else we've talked about today? Uh, not too much. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to see it, definitely check it out. Um, and it's, uh, it's definitely a sight to behold. It's a great human moment in a entertainment field that you don't often see that portrayed, uh, but they did beautifully on it. And if only WWE had a maybe beat them to the punch and just acted human for once, uh, we'd be talking about them a little bit further than we are as we are in a negative light. But overall, um, great show. Looking forward to see how they follow it up on Wednesday. And, but beyond that, uh, it's all good in the hood. Yeah. And one quick prediction. I forgot to bring this up. Well, did watch today's Being the Elite. And due to that, I think there, and we're, we could talk about this a little bit next week, what the future is of the Dark Order and specifically their relationship with Hangman Adam Page. We're going to talk about that next week, among other things, probably get into Roman Reigns a little bit. Thank you so much for listening to High Spots and Cheap Pops. I'm Silicon Steve Alley. That is the omnipotent Vlad the Impaler. And we want to thank you so much for listening to us. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Facebook. You can follow me at Real Steve Valley on the Twitter. Thank you so very much. Anything to say, Vlad? We're all good. Let's call it a night. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to High Spots and Cheap Pops. And we will talk to you next week.